0: Where were you during the great Antifa uprising on November 4th?
1: Antifa. Leading
0: Antifa? It's Antifa. Pause. Pause. Before we continue, leave this then. Antifa. What is Antifa? That makes it sound like, I don't know. It's just
2: what everyone on Facebook who doesn't know what it stands for, what they say. Like anytime I have a conversation with a conservative on Facebook, and they're like, "Well, antifa," and I'm like, "Hey, right, well, that's not how you <laughs> say anti-fascist." So I'm gonna go ahead and stop you right there. But then also, not how you do shit.
0: So, anyway. but wait, if it's how you say anti-fascist, you'd say anti-fa,
2: which is what, like just like let's like, 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 oh, not. Oh
0: yeah, that's my, not. my aunt fa It's <laughs> not
2: work like overthink this too much i think is the uh the real lesson here
0: it's true uh and we shouldn't overthink it because uh, of what we managed to do during the antifa uprising on november 4th uh the the leading antifa generals barack expand drone strikes on 11 year old yemenis obama and hillary imperialism is the best clinton Both fought valiantly in the trenches to make sure that Alex Jones can't tell you about how the Democrats are conspiring with ISIS to make all the frogs gay. Chuck, I legitimately just hate Freedom Schumer, personally strangled Sebastian Gorka to death with a shredded constitution, ending the Lion of Budapest's great reign. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nancy, we're capitalists, and that's just the way it is, Pelosi, opened up, five new collective farms to enslave white Christian kulaks. And (laughs) (laughs) Adam and I both self-critiqued ourselves so hard that we're going to make a time machine to go join the Red Guard during the Cultural Revolution and help spread the immortal science of Islamo-Marxism-Leninism under the guidance of Mao and Bin Laden. And every America-hating Democrat, just like all of us on the left, should come along.
2: I just want to note that the greatest problem that has ever existed in the entire world is that uh, the uh, uh, Gore Vidal biopic biopic uh, starring uh, Kevin Spacey has been canceled by Netflix, and so we'll never, ever, ever understand truly who Gore Vidal was or what he was wanting to do with his life.
0: It fucking sucks, because it's like, okay, Kevin Spacey, if you weren't a piece of shit, we get this great movie, and instead, you're a piece of shit, and now this should be canceled. <laughs>
2: oh my goodness uh,
0: um you know actually you know what we need to do we need to send this cold open to Alex Jones cause then he'll be like do you hear what the left is talking about and we'll still think it, like nine million.
2: I mean we could <laughs> A- Alex Jones is known for needing content so I'm sure that he would just be like whatever I can put it on there I don't know why he, he turned he... into Hogan in my,
0: in my head isn't he, hugging, he likes ripping his shirt off, and he's, he's just a beefcake. Brother. <laughs> the
2: Illuminati has established the Council of Nine in order to, esta- in order to facilitate the Grey's hold over the organ energy within the Earth, brother.
0: <laughs> They're putting chemicals in the water that are turning the freaking frogs gay, brother. <laughs> Many months has come and gone since I wandered
2: from my home In those Oklahoma hills where I was born Many a page of life has turned, many a lesson I have learned Well, I feel like in those hills I still belong Way down yonder in the Indian Nation Ride my pony on the
0: reservation In those Oklahoma hills where I was born now we're down yonder in the Indian Nation. The cowboy's life is my occupation And it's Oklahoma hills
2: where I was born. I'm Adam Burnett, and I'm Carl Roberts, and this is Red Star Over Oklahoma. We are a small political and news podcast broadcasting about left politics and left
0: politics in Oklahoma. How you doing this week, Carl? Uh, I mean, Sooners won. Uh, Sooners won, Bethlehem, So I'm doing good. Bimson. I, I do. Bimson. In. I do want to alienate all our, our, our cowboy listeners. It's important. It's okay. uh, I don't know if y'all seen on the Twitter feed, uh, the photo of the red army planting the Soviet flag on top of the Bundestag or the Reichstag. Actually, at the time. Uh, that's, <laughs> th- that's how I feel about Oklahoma football in general.
2: It's Go very it important out. and, uh, <laughs> it, it, it makes us a stronger country. Um, when the boys in red win, you know, it's, it's going to be a good day. I always, you know, I got a big old red OU flag and it's a, uh, crime in Oklahoma to fly a red flag with the intention of, uh, causing a rebellion, but I do it every day. This is OU and the rebellion that I'm hoping to, to bring to fruition is a national championship. Should we wait?
0: (laughs) Should we like make a, like, a, like pinko commie OU? flag I mean like like just a regular OU flag but then with the hammer and sickle in like the
2: upper left corner I mean we could it wouldn't be hard I have like
0: I have the exact flag we need hanging from my balcony at my house right now I think I think if, if you actually wave that on OU's campus like someone would snap a photo and be like the communists have taken over
2: I mean yeah they would just, it, it would just be exclusively something passed around like OSU's campus being like, look at those liberals with their actual school with books and not cartoons and chalk.
0: Except their flag color, their flag, black black and orange, they're just, uh, they're just um, market socialists. Yeah. Market anarchists. So, so they're, they're just as bad. Yeah. Or worse.
2: Well, anyway, thinking about people who are just as bad or worse. Uh, so Donna Brazil came out and had some things to say. I think you want to tell us about this one, Carl. Uh, yeah,
0: I, um, uh, I want to start off with uh, a very important thing to say. Fuck Donna Brazil. <laughs> Donna Brazil remains a terrible human being that assisted rigging the primary when she sent, uh, uh, debate questions to the Hillary campaign before debate that she did not send to the Bernie campaign. Um, important note, very important note, in my opinion. Um, but this article she put out in Politico is like, probably the biggest bombshell I think about the Democratic Party. <laughs> like, this, this is crazy. And I just want to want to go through it. I, I pulled a bunch of quotes here. And I want to talk about what this means. Because like, fundamentally, what she said in this article is that, yes, uh, we do not live in a real democracy. Uh, the The Democratic Party conspired to throw the election to the Clintons and uh, everything's what? terrible everything's I, terrible uh,
2: I cannot believe Carl that you would come on this program and just tell <laughs> boldface lies about what the wonderful DNC is doing you know those guys what do they do they they try and get democrats elected and we know one thing if we know anything <laughs> And that's that liberals are always better than conservatives. They're different, Carl. The Democrats and the Republicans are different. You're just gonna have to live with it.
0: You're just gonna have to live with the fact that they're so different that now Republican policy proposals from twenty years ago are the Democratic Party's platform. That's right. just what we have to live with. Um, but I want to go through this and uh, uh let, let's remember one thing while we go through this that you just said. Uh, they're just trying to get Democrats elected because. Uh, Maybe that's not actually true <laughs> um and so like when when Donna took over the party she took over after was- Wasserman Schultz was ousted right she took over the the DNC after that and she got her hands on the books of the party and so I'm, I'm just gonna read this um Officials from Hillary's campaign had taken a look at the DNC's books. Obama left the party $24 million in debt, $15 million in bank debt, and more than $8 million owed to vendors after the 2012 campaign, and had been paying that off very slowly. Obama's campaign was not scheduled to pay it off until 2016. Hillary for America, the campaign, and the Hillary Victory Fund, its joint fundraising vehicle with the DNC, had taken care of 80% of the remaining debt in 2016, about $10 million, and had placed the party on allowance. Now, what's important here is that that last part, right? The other part is important, too, because this should really throw aspersions on Obama's legacy because he basically fucked the party, mm-hmm. fucked over the whole system of the party um, after 2012 by just saying, well, fuck that. We don't have to pay any of our bills. Um, and then that last part, that the Hillary for America and the Hillary Victory Fund had placed the party on allowance um, is important because that means that there was institutional capture, so to say, of the Democratic Party by the Hillary campaign through the use of Hillary fundraising events. And before we go further, what's really important here as well is that this Hillary Victory Fund is a joint fundraising vehicle. And so what that means is that the Hillary Victory Fund, which was raising money specifically for her campaign, was working with the DNC, which is supposed to raise money in general for Democrats and is not supposed to be spending money. It's supposed to um, stay outside of, like, the primary competition and be neutral. And then it's supposed to come in and assist with the general. So you fundraise during the primaries for whoever is going to end up being the general candidate Mm -hmm. through the DNC, and then you fund Hillary in the primary with the victory fund. But already, in August 2015, those two groups had combined each other. Yeah. <clears throat> and, and and this'll come up why this is so central in a different way later, but right now what's important is that at the start, this neutral fundraising body that's supposed to be raising money for the fight against the Republican candidate is exclusively raising funds through Hillary's campaign and is receiving its money at the behest of Hillary's campaign. And so, so
2: I think I think at this point it's really important <laughs> to at least touch on this and say that like that structure exists because the democrats and republicans are trying to deal with things um with their own private entities um instead of having a legal system of political campaigning that we all understand which is to say that you know there's a public fund of money (coughs) that you know they all can use to to um to uh, advertise and campaign um, for political platforms. And a lot of countries, you know, they use a public pool of money and they have restrictions on when you can and can't campaign. And we don't have those restrictions in the U.S. And so this is the way of the DNC kind of trying to say, okay, well, we are a two-party system, but we want to have extra money for everybody because we want to kind of have this public pool so that, you know, if people have really good ideas, they're not just barred from showing those ideas with, uh, you know, f- by by not having enough money, but then it just doesn't even matter because Hillary Clinton already had access to the public pool of money <clears throat> since the beginning of the campaign.
0: Yeah, since August, and importantly, really importantly too, Bernie's campaign had already started. Like, you know, there were rumbling. There's a difference between like those rumblings, we think he's going to announce, et cetera, et cetera, and like he had filed and officially said he was running for president. So. In a contested primary, in a primary where you have two candidates, the actual, like, party, you know, apparatchiks decided that Hillary would take it over. And there's a bunch of people that are going to say some bullshit about how, oh, but we also, the DNC also offered Bernie Sanders uh, a certain amount of access, The same one that they did with the Clinton campaign, which is true. They offered Bernie the same thing that they offer to any candidate that runs, except they also offered a different agreement, which is the basis of Hillary for America and the Hillary Victory Fund controlling the money of the party that they did not offer to Bernie Sanders. So that's actually a lie. Like, that's a a disproven lie with documents from articles in 2016 and new new documents that have come out. And you're entirely right as well. The problem is that we don't have public funding. Mm -hmm. So let's uh, do... Another quote, which is going to be particularly another very damning quote, I think. Uh, and this, this is, starts with uh, Mrs. Brazil talking. Gary, how did they do this without me knowing, I asked. I don't know how Debbie relates to the officers, Gary said. He described the party as fully under the control of Hillary's campaign, which seemed to confirm the suspicions of the Bernie camp. The campaign had the DNC on life support, giving it money every month to meet its basic expenses, while the campaign was using the party as a fundraising clearinghouse. Under FEC law, FEC law, an individual can contribute a maximum of $2700 directly to a presidential campaign. But the limits are much higher for contributions to state parties and a party's national committee. The limits here are about $350,000 in total if you if you add everything up together. It's a bit more than that, but it's it's in that ballpark, right? And so what was going on is that through this joint fundraising Uh, vehicle with the DNC that the Hillary Victory Fund had, they would have one fundraiser together, right? And then they would be able to raise this roughly $350,000 and put it into state parties to match up how much they're allowed to raise and the national party, except Hillary's campaign is controlling the flow of money the whole time, which is in fact, essentially like money laundering. And I, I don't know if 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 this is legal or illegal in terms of how FEC law works, but it's definitely really scummy that what was happening is people were donating money to state parties, which was then being controlled by Hillary's electoral, right? Mm-hmm. And why that's important is because if you ask anyone who actually gives a shit about Demo- like Democrats winning office outside of the presidency, you will know that the Democrats have lost something like a thousand positions in state legislatures in the past 10 years, right? There is uh, three, uh, like tripartite control of almost enough state legislatures and governorships to allow the Republican Party to introduce constitutional amendments right now. It's something like two or three states away from being at a point where they can do that. Mm -hmm. Because money that should have been going to state elections and down ballot national elections was being put through the DNC to allow Hillary's campaign to have access to it while she was competing in a primary with Bernie Sanders that was competitive. I know that she won in the end, but it was still it was not like a sure thing that she was gonna win by any stretch of the imagination, if you look at the numbers and how it played out, nor if you understand what was going on while it was happening. So what this means is that this joint fundraising vehicle was being used to rob down-ballot elections that are just as important, if not in a lot of ways more important than the Mm -hmm. presidency because it controls our day-to-day political lives. You know, the Oklahoma state legislature being so fucking terrible at its job, which is something we've talked about a lot and we're going to talk about again today, is going to kill people. And Oklahoma Democratic Party money was being taken from people running for state senate, people running for, you know, the state house, et cetera, et cetera to be used on Hillary's losing campaign in 2016 while she's competing with someone else. That is what... That's what Donna Brazile is describing. Yeah. Um, and Donna Brazile says, she realized this expi- explicitly. She says, wait, I said, that victory fund was supposed to be for whoever was the nominee in the state party races. You're telling me that Hillary has been controlling it since before she got the nomination? And that line right there. Literally, anyone who has said they rigged the primary is correct. That is that is the head of the DNC saying, we rigged the primary.
2: Oh my gosh. It's just so... It, and I know this is something that we had discussed when we were to talk about, and it's just something I, I I can't not think about whenever you know I hear these things, and we, we don't break this down, but it's just like, man... Good Lord, I wish there was an actual left in the U.S. You know, this is so ridiculous that, um, you know, we can't even, you know, breach the difficulties of some of these questions. Uh, You know, some difficult political questions and different organizing questions and difficult, uh, you know, other questions in that sense. When... the Democrats, I mean, like, they're not liberals. And, like, not only are they not liberals, they're not leftists. And not only are they not leftists, but, like, they're behaving in a way that is detrimental to the organization of a liberal party in the U.S. They did more to hurt themselves than Donald Trump ever did.
0: A hundred percent. You know, this is, this is like when you try to use, you know, when you, when you throw out your Pokemon and then it hurts itself. And it's confusion. Right. Mm-hmm. That's essentially what happened here, except it wasn't just confusion. It was it hurts itself in its corruption. Yeah. And and, and I mean, and, and we're going to read some more stuff here, because what we're going to find out is that they were part and parcel of, of 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 screwing over everyone who lives in America that doesn't want to see Republicans in office. Um. So here's another quote. Right around the time of the convention, the leaked emails revealed Hillary's campaign was grabbing money from the state parties for its own purposes, leaving the states with very little to support down-ballot races, like, I've, like we've just described. some A political story, Politico story published on May 2nd, 2016 described the big fundraising vehicle she had launched through the states the summer before, quoting a vow she had made to rebuild the party from the ground up. When our, states, when our state parties are strong, we win. That's what will happen. And I want, I, I want to focus on that last part of what Hillary said. Um When our state parties are strong, we win. That's what will happen, which is like expressly not the policy that the campaign was pursuing. The, ca- yes. the Hillary campaign was pursuing a policy of using FEC regulations to get around to get access to this state party money to spend on her campaign.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So that was literally a lie. That was a straight up lie. So you know i don't I don't want to take people right wing people's language and use it to our own ends. But like when you read this and read what Donna Brazile saw when she took the job as the head of the DNC, what you find out is that yes, Hillary crooked Hillary is an accurate description yeah. of her politics, because she was straight up lying to voters.
2: Well, and I think I think you know the 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 step <clears throat> past this is to really evaluate the like incentives and the things that like Hillary pushed for. It's like those high level Democrats, like they have this like social liberalism that like is like okay, but like really isn't that great. Like, I mean, you know, like I'm a huge advocate for LGBTQ plus rights and I'm a huge advocate for people of color and women's rights. And like, yeah, it's good that we have Democrats that are like willing to like deal with the Hyde amendment and deal with, um, you know, access to healthcare and access to, uh, um, marital rights. And those kind of things, but like that does nothing for the like structural and institutional problems that like exist and are rampant. And even if you don't believe in like socialism or communism, like there's still a level of like discussion we can have where it's not like, well, as Democrats, we always support more military spending, we support education, but only if it doesn't include tax cuts for the wealthy. And, uh, yeah, we're really willing to, like, you know, espouse, like, socially liberal values, but then, you know, create and maintain a police state that um, is, you know, <clears throat> detrimental to the growth of um, political communities that are marginalized.
0: And also, I mean, also, detriment, you know, a Democratic Party that's detrimental to union rights and organizations because the democratic party is that and then
2: and then they wonder why they can't get any white white working class votes
0: (laughs) yeah and and i think i think it's also important to recognize that that part of this like one of the groundbreaking things about bernie's campaign was that he funded it and i know i donated donated to the campaign a little bit he funded it with small donations from like a college student that made like you know, in terms of the, the money I had in my pocket, I was making like $6,000 a year, right? Because yeah. my parents w- were able to pay for my rent. Thank God. Privilege I have. I know I'm aware. But, and and that I, like, that was the kind of support that he was getting. And at the same time, while he's getting this support, this grassroots support from people who, who aren't making nearly as much money, um, Hillary Clinton is going for these people that are able to donate, you know, something like, money that costs a hundred thousand dollars more than the average house in Tulsa, Oklahoma Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and like single donations, you know, the most expensive thing, 95% of Americans will ever buy is their home. And, and the Clinton campaign focused on using the DNC as a money, money laundering thing to take donations equivalent to the most expensive thing Americans will buy in their lifetime. Like, and, and that, I think you're totally right when you say, yeah, they have this type of social liberalism, and it's because this is how they win elections now, is they go to these rich people, and these rich people are right. They care about feminism, they care about women's rights, they care about LGBTQ plus people's rights, you know, they, they don't want cops killing black people that much probably i'm sure they also want cops defending their neighborhood because they have expensive homes and they like their property values
2: like i don't even um, think i don't
0: like i i i
2: don't even try and necessarily think of it like that a lot of the times with, with this it's 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 like access almost it's like i don't feel like i feel like you know they they you know are glad like but i'm sure when they see a cop in their neighborhood even then they're they you know they get nervous or don't like it as much if there's a cop parked in front of their house or whatever but at the same time the way i think about it is is you know who has time to lobby school districts and go to PTA meetings and bitch about the quality of schools, white class or, you know, working class or, you know, middle-class people who have the ability to buy a massive home and to donate shitloads of money to Hillary Clinton or, you know, a democratic campaign and push for that. And like, that's not bad, but at the same time, like, you know, that is taking resources away from like inner city schools. Like, you know, they lobby to get the best teachers into their schools. And they, you know, make sure that they have access to good food at their you know grocery stores,
0: but and like take and advantage of that privilege. But like I, and there's yeah, I, I think what you're describing is is really important precisely because, you know, they act like, oh, we're not racist, we're not not like Hillbillies in Oklahoma, right? Yeah, because they have this image of people from Oklahoma like us, and, and those of you listening to the show is like, those are the racists or something, you know. When in reality, they're doing exactly what you described, they're living in a city where they don't go to the public school, they send their kid to a private school that has like one one person of color in it or something they They don't take care of public infrastructure. they don't necessarily want higher taxes on their property because they want to buy some million dollar home or something. and so yep. they're just they're racist in in a way that is less performative and more economic meaning. They're the kind of people that move to the suburb develop their own school district, dump a ton of money into it and pull the good teachers away from the inner city like you described, which is racism. They're the people who say, no, we don't want a dump here. Oh, we don't want, you know, the, the not in my backyards, the NIMBYs, that through their nimbiness, end up creating this system of environmental racism where, where Black and Latinx neighborhoods suffer from uh, environmental problems that no rich, upper-class white neighborhood will have, because the Black and Latinx communities don't have the economic freedom to go to the city hall and argue about where the dump is going to be and stuff yep. like that. Yep. And, and so, this is what their campaign was focused on. This is what the Hillary campaign was focused on doing. Um, I want to get through some more quotes here on this, because it, 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 some of these numbers are absolutely shocking uh and so uh, donna continues yet the states kept less than half of one percent of the 82 million dollars they had amassed from the extravagant fundraisers hillary's campaign was holding just as gary had described to me when it, he and i talked in august when the politico story described his arrangement as essentially money laundering for the clinton campaign hillary's people were outraged at being accused of doing something shady Bernie's people were angry for their own reasons, saying this was part of a calculated strategy to throw the nomination to Hillary. And I, what, the first thing that's important here is that out of that $82 million, less than $4.1 million was staying in the states that it was raised in. Think about that for us. Think about what Oklahoma could have done with that, without having $4.1 million spread between 50 different states. That yeah. they had access to. Think about how many more Democrats we could have get a, gotten elected in the state if, if we had had access to that money. Because we all know that Oklahoman Republicans have access to Devon money, to, to Chesapeake money. Like, the Hillary campaign not only was throwing the election at the DNC, they were actively getting Republicans elected through, through robbery at this point um i want to go on a bit more um because this this is the part where we go from just like the hillary campaign is stealing money from state parties and using the dnc to essentially launder money to get around fec rules to to the the the, the real fucking kicker here right the agreement signed by amy dassey the former ceo of the dnc and robbie Mook with a copy to mark Elias, specified that in exchange for ranging. Uh, raising money and investing in the DNC, Hillary would control the party's finances, strategy, and all the money raised. Her campaign had the right of refusal of who would be the party communications director, and it would also and it would make final decisions on all the other staff. The DNC also was required to consult with the campaign about all other staffing, budgeting, data analytics, and mailings. So not only did they have the soft control of the purse in the DNC and the Democratic Party in general, before the primary was over, they had control over message and staffing. So what what this last quote that we're going to talk about says is, is like the biggest point, is that, you know, if, if like we've described when we're talking about these other things, if you control the purse of the party, you're going to have undue influence and that's going to shape party policy. But what happened in the 2016 primary democratic primary was not just that they controlled the money but that they also had explicit control over the entirety of the party right mm-hmm. so not only were they money laundering not only were they influencing the party they the hillary campaign was explicitly using the democratic party to oppose bernie sanders and i don't know if Bernie would have won the primary without that, but there is no reason to believe that he, to believe that it wouldn't have been closer yeah, and that he might have won in a way that he, he clearly didn't. So if you're still a Hillary supporter after this and, and you send this to all your friends that are Hillary supporters, if you listen to this, you don't like democracy. You are as corrupt as Putin at this point. Yeah. And, and it is, a shame to American democracy if you stand by Hillary Clinton after what Brazil said. And I get that Brazil is publishing a new book that she wants to get fucking shit for, right? But there's stuff from 2016 that corroborates this, and there are internal party documents that are around there that corroborate this. So if you're still a Clintonite, you're a bad person. Yeah, I know that.
2: Yep. Well, speaking of people who are full of poop... Uh, my good friend, uh, Bob Mueller, picked up a couple of them and uh, took them to jail. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we wanted to cover, of course, I'm sure, um, if you guys have been paying attention to the news this week, you saw last Monday, a week ago today, or I guess a week ago when this will come out, um, uh, Robert Mueller, the special prosecutor um, assigned by uh, Je- uh, Attorney, uh, Deputy Attorney General uh, Rod Rosenstein, Uh, to investigate Russian collusion during the 2016 election, issued his first round of indictments. Um, So he indicted Paul Manafort, the former uh, head of the campaign for Donald Trump, and he also indicted uh, Rick Gates. Um, I'm going to get into this in just a second, but um, those indictments uh, carried with them, I think, 14 charges each. Um, I, I actually think it might have been 7 and 14 charges but it doesn't matter a uh, bunch of charges um, and um, this comes on the immediately following um, a staffer for the Trump campaign who met with Russian officials who pled guilty um, to charges levied by um, Mueller and so I want to take a moment and just explain a couple of these things because I think this is really really important and is also something that is like very complex because I think that Mueller has a very defined strategy that I think he's employing, and so one of the first things I want to say is one of the big, uh, one of the big ones that especially people were shocked by was George Papadopoulos, this young staffer who was arrested in Dulles um, several months ago and had basically been sat on by Mueller and waiting and waiting and waiting, and so they eventually got him to plead guilty, and so what is really um, what what is really important is that um, – so we have – in the U.S. we have the Fourth Amendment. The Fourth says you're protected against unreasonable search and seizures. And so when the police or anybody – I mean it doesn't necessarily have to be the police. There's lots of places the information can be gathered from. And whenever uh, information is gathered um, in violation of the Fourth Amendment, there are no there – civil, there's civil liability, but there's no – other liability except to exclude or not allow the evidence to be brought into court. And so what is really important here is that the Fourth Amendment does not apply at all to grand juries. And so Robert Mueller has a grand jury that he is issuing these indictments through. Basically, what he's doing is he is doing investigation and he's coming to this panel of people and he is saying, okay, here's what we have to prove to prove this crime. Here's the evidence we have. Is that enough for an indictment? And if they say yes he gets the indictment. If they say no, he doesn't. So what happened is, is that, and this is, uh, obviously we don't have any of these records yet, none of this has been made open to the public, but this is very much what I believe happened is, so if you can imagine, you take Papadopoulos in, and you have all this information, and you've got all this investigation that you guys have been doing, you've got all these stacks of paper and all these records, and you know what? None of it's admissible. For whatever reason, and there's a lot of reasons, but for whatever reason, most of it isn't admissible. And so what you do is you go, Papadopoulos, dude, look, we've got you dead to rights. We have it all. We have everything. We know every time you send a text message, we know every email, we know every uh, meeting you were in. And so he pleads guilty. So what happens when he pleads guilty? All right, he signs affidavits, he signs statements and he testifies. Testifying means you have the right to cross-examine him, which means you get to bring all of that shit into trial now. Everything you can corroborate with a Papadopoulos statement, you get to bring into trial now. And so all of a sudden you have a lot more evidence that can go to trial, and so all of a sudden your case becomes much stronger. So that's why you go and you grab Manafort and Gates, who we've talked about this, but Manafort and Gates—I mean—they've been asking for it for a while. I mean, they've been unregistered foreign agents, and I mean, M- M- Manafort was basically just like a Ukrainian spy wearing <clears throat> an American costume. Like uh,
0: there was there there was one. Um, I remember when it came out when he was still the campaign head. Uh, we were actually. Uh, living in Slovenia over the summer then and I remember reading it and I was just so fucking shocked this story about him because when he was working with uh, Yanukovych in Ukraine the American ambassador came up to him and was like dude I get that you're doing your job I get that you're getting paid to do this but like American to American can you stop this because you're actively opposing our interests by like like trying to foment like Russian hatred and 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 like massive conflict in Ukraine right now dude what are yeah. you doing well, um yeah and so i mean it's it's such he was doing it and and then he said no to the ambassador and so he was doing it in such an offensive way that like official american uh people were talking to him being like i'm not even appealing to you legally or something dude you're an active scumbag
2: yeah yeah and so yeah, like, it just, they're just so obvious. They've just been kind of so out in the open about what they've been doing for so long that I, 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 I think they had, you know, they had to go down. I mean, when we, you know, I, I can remember during the campaign when I heard Manafort was on the campaign and I was like, what the hell? <laughs> who? Yeah. <laughs> who okayed this? Like, who said, oh, yeah, let the, uh, let the known foreign agent, like, come on and do his thing. Like, no, are you kidding me? But, So with those two, now you've got Papadopoulos, who's corroborating statements, giving evidence that's admissible, so you have a better way to get to Manafort and Gates and say, hey, boys, not only do I have this huge stack of paper right here, and not only can I tell you exactly what you said in every meeting with everyone you've ever been with, because we're the NSA and the CIA and the FBI and the Department of Justice, And so not only can I just, you know, scare you by being able to tell you, you know, what underwear you have on right now um, or what underwear you're going to wear tomorrow before you decide. Um, We also have this other stack that's all admissible at trial. And so I think he really lays out an easy way for this to happen is Manafort and Gates also were two guys who, when they were originally called to um, be interviewed by Mueller, lied. Um, and I think that it is really important here to see what he's trying to say to, to everyone else involved is like, not only am I building this case, not only is it strong enough that I have charges and guilty pleas already, cause that's, that means something happened. If you have someone who pleads guilty, that means you can stand back and say, bam, there it is. I, I he did it. He actually did that. And so there's no denying it at that point. But I think the good thing you have to be able to say is like, look, you you either play ball like Papadopoulos and you get a plea agreement, or you don't play ball and we drag you off in cuffs. And I I have a I have I, I know we're not supposed to be in the prediction business anymore, uh, <laughs> but I have a big prediction. Um, and I think um, I was doing some reading on the uh, Enron prosecution and how that came down, and basically um, the CEO's wife had. Um, made, uh, uh, they had used her name to, um, file shell companies. And so, um, she was the first indictment they had. And I really think after this round, just where you get, you know, you get your first guilty plea, you get, you know, your obvious foreign agents, like you just get the spies out of the room. And then like, you know, the people you have left, like, Kushner and Don Jr., like, Don Jr. posted on Twitter, like, evidence of collusion. That email, like, he can say, like, oh, I posted on Twitter, it's transparent. It's like, okay, that doesn't mean that it's not gonna come in in a courtroom. Like, you idiot. And, like, additionally, like, uh, Kushner was the one in charge of all of the social media campaigning and he was in all of those rooms that like uh, Manafort and Gates were in when they got pulled. They got, he was in the same rooms. So I think that their next one they pull is Ivanka. I think they drag Ivanka off in chains because I think, number one, it sends a message to everyone uh, including Donald that this is going to get serious and, you know, there's no hiding your kids or hiding your wife. We're coming for them, and uh, <laughs> I, I I also think she is one of the only ones who is enough of a sociopath <clears throat> that I think she could get talked into believing that she can save her own skin. Like
0: honestly, like well, I think yeah, I think that's like the most important thing here because what you have in like the Trump family and the Trump orbit are a bunch of very like obviously unintelligent people right yeah. that think they're intelligent because they have a shit ton of money um and they believe that you only have money because you earn it yep um <clears throat> and you have a shit you know you have a bunch of people that are very used to the most like disgusting <laughs> decadent creature comforts that you can have in the world right um and on top of that you have this situation where you have a guy who's going to come to them and say, I'm going to take away your 20 yachts filled with cocaine and you're going to have to go live in a, in a room that you don't get to leave when you want to.
2: Yeah. And, and all they- uh, I mean, Gucci, Gucci orange jumpsuit, baby.
0: And, and so there, someone is going to cave in that group of people, not necessarily in the political operators, but in the, in the extended Trump group of people that are just rich assholes that have never had you know that when their food is bad at the restaurant they buy the restaurant and fire everybody yeah like someone is going a hundred percent to not be able to take the pressure when muller says hey motherfucker i'm gonna i'm gonna get you and i'm gonna get you bad if you don't talk to me. I, I,
2: I, and, and see and see i don't even i don't even think it's like that I, and just, it, like and i have limited experience in being in Rooms where prosecution is talking to defendants and having studied quite a bit of that. Let me tell you, it's not even like that. It, what the conversation really is, is you're already dead. We have you. You know, you can, you can walk out of this room, but I'll just go file the indictment and we'll drag you back in here in cuffs. It's fine. You can be obstinate and lie and tell me everything is, isn't true. But like you also can sit here and look at this right now and see that it is. Like you know what you did, and you know I'm not fucking stupid. And so, what do you think is about to happen? You know, and I think that's, and I just I like I see Ivanka is the weak, as the weak link. I really do because, principally, I think that she's Daddy's favorite. I think she's ver very pretty, and, and I think she's gotten away with whatever she's wanted to do her entire life. And I think that when they bring her into a room and they go look. Here's the sack we got on Kushner. We we no no matter what you say right now in this room, we're filing the indictment on Kushner. We're filing the indictment on Don Jr., we're filing the indictment on your older brother, we're filing the indictment on Donald. Okay? If you work with us, we won't file your indictment. Or we'll let you plea to a lesser offense. At a minimum. And but like that, to me. I think she's enough of a sociopath and enough of an idiot and has been insulated by cash for long enough that I think she'll think that it'll be okay if she sells everyone out. Or at least doesn't, you know, lie or, you know, doesn't just say fifth or walk away. And the other fun thing is that we're also getting to a point where like, (laughs) like I talked about how there's not much of a fourth amendment protection for a lot of this. You're going to start losing fifth amendment protection too. Because when she says, oh, <clears> the <throat> amendment, they'll go, okay, that's fine. Were you in the room with everyone when they were talking about it? And she's going to go, well, no. It's like, oh, okay, that's not incriminating to you. Then you have to answer. We'll hold you in contempt. Ooh, I didn't, I didn't know that's a thing. Oh, yeah, you can't just say fifth and not answer.
0: Uh, I, I see my... Understanding of the American legal system is based on that Chappelle show sketch where you just say free so that that's what i thought <laughs> uh, no. but i think I think the other important thing too is that
2: that was also a congressional interview, and you can't ever plead the fifth in congressional interviews because it's not a criminal proceeding so
0: <laughs> well, I think what what the the last thing I want to say on this is that like the probably the biggest thing that we know now, especially from Papadopoulos, is that it looks very much like Jeff Sessions perjured himself <laughs> in, in the U.S. Congress. And I think how this is going to break down is not even necessarily that we're going to find actual collusion. What we'll probably find at the end is that some idiot like Papadopoulos was like, hey, let's do this. And then the whole campaign was like, no, that's fucking not. Um, and I, I, I'm not that, closing I'm out sure. the possibility that Jared wasn't talking <sighs> with Russians about buying ads or something. But if we assume that didn't happen at all, which which very like very well could be the case, what's going to happen is the same thing that is going to happen now with Sessions. Mm -hmm. These idiots are going to do such a terrible job of covering up the fact that they didn't actually collude with the Russians that they're going to get in trouble because of the shitty job of covering it up. You know, like Jeff Sessions right now, because apparently Jeff Sessions was like, we're not fucking colluding with Russians, Papadopoulos. In March, and then in June, when he was getting asked questions in Congress, he said, we haven't talked about it. I don't know anything about that. Uh-huh. That was not a thing of the campaign. That That is most likely going to be what's going to happen.
1: Because these people
0: are just just, like, as smart as fucking... Like lizards that need the sun to be able to move and have one goal in mind just make stealing money essentially. Yeah,
2: well, speaking of stealing money, we're gonna move on quickly to uh, Oklahoma news for the week. Um, I'm sorry, everyone, I've kind of had the sniffles today. I've been having to kind of sniff and he- heave and haw over here. I've not been feeling very good, uh, but our um, first uh, Oklahoma news for the week comes from uh, Tulsa. And there has been a, um, a development in a class action lawsuit, um, in Tulsa. Basically, um, there are charter schools, schools that are for, uh, they are private and they cost money to go to. Um, there are charter schools Mm -hmm. that
0: are suing, Mm -hmm. huh? Charter schools don't work like that. Charter schools are free, but they're privately owned and run and they get some public assistance.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. My, my bad. Yeah. My, my, my bad for me speaking. Uh Yeah. But they are. They are uh, suing in order to get more assistance. Uh, more yes. public assistance. Um, and so basically, the judge has now allowed for. Um, both Tulsa and Oklahoma City school di- public school districts to um, be a part of this, um, to be parties in this lawsuit, which is really important because once you're a party to a lawsuit, you get a lot more rights, you can introduce things, you have uh, rights to introduce evidence, you have rights <laughs> to cross-examine witnesses. So um, that's an important development uh, in, that, in that sense.
0: And it's also, um... What's really important, in my opinion, about this is um, that two things, and, and they, it goes in steps, right? So, how charter schools tend to work is they—they're a form of privatization, right? They take a public good and they say, let's—not always, uh, especially with charter schools, but sometimes, let's make a profit off public money, right? It's this idea that the government will pay money for something and then that a private industry or like a, pri- a market would do a better job of providing that service than if the public simply paid for it itself, right? Without a profit margin and only a consideration of how do we make this work. Mm-hmm. And how that works with charter schools is they basically say, and this is, this is a common line of, of argument that's totally like backwards, right? Putting the cart before the horse, where they say, oh, look, public schools aren't working that well. We need to give more money to charter schools or a charter school says we can't work that well because we don't have money and public schools aren't doing well. So we need to take more money from public schools so we could spend more money and do better. When in reality, what they're doing is taking public money that could be allocated to making our schools better, which already is a massive problem in the state of Oklahoma, as we all know, with the budget Mm -hmm. uh, crisis. And saying, instead, we should be able to make a profit off that money, which implies that they're going to spend less money on the students, right? Yep. The profit has to come from somewhere. And by allowing TPS and uh, OCPS onto this lawsuit, what's happening is that now there's going to be defenders of people that go to public
1: school yeah.
0: saying, no, fuck off. This, we need this money. We yeah. are in such a terrible position right now. That what you all are trying to do is make our economic situation even worse than it is with the fact that the state government can't fucking do anything in terms of raising revenue. Yeah. <clears throat> and it's a very important thing as well because it's part of a fight that we as socialists have to be committed to, which is saying public institutions that we have right now might have problems. Public institutions that we have right now probably need a lot of reform, but we have to defend them. And we especially have to defend them against this kind of privatization because that's only going to make it worse. And it's only making it worse for fucking children, school children.
2: Yeah, yeah, and and I think that is, yeah, exactly right. Um, It just, the the pot of money for schools is so small already and uh, is just getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller every day. Um, and speaking of <laughs> that getting smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, our next story. Um, and I think we're gonna we're doing a little bit of coverage of uh, the special session in our uh, conservative reading list for the week. But um, you know, as no surprise, I think if you know we'd had a budget agreement, it would have probably been the first thing we would have led with in our Oklahoma story. But <laughs> uh, we don't have a budget agreement, and so uh, I got this article from Oklahoma Watch. And they are um, basically um, trying to figure out, or they are they are this this article is about the Oklahoma State Department of Health, and they are trying to figure out how they're going to fund themselves uh, because they still don't have any money um, from the special session. So um, there is still a thirty million dollar budget gap um, in uh, at, at the State Department of Health. And so in early of 2018, they are planning on laying off 12 percent of their workforce. So 12 percent of the people involved with the State Department of Health are being laid off. Uh, and I think that is just uh, massive in the sense that, uh, you know, the thing you keep in a lot of those senses is your emergency rooms and doctors and surgeons. And so much can be done with preventative medicine that is so much cheaper it's just so much cheaper. you know (laughs) if you have someone with a bad knee and you can rehab that knee instead of waiting for them to fall down a flight of stairs and throw their back out and break their arm and be out of work for four weeks you know that is a lot cheaper both on them as individuals and on our system as a whole and so um, I think yeah
0: yeah so one of the big deals I think about this is that the state health department covers WIC, women, infants, and children, which is one of the two programs we call food stamps and some other things like immunizations, which are, which are good for everybody, right? But specifically when it comes to spending money like WIC and being able to do that efficiently and so on, that's really important on two fronts. Uh, the first front is that it's some of the best money the government can spend money on programs like food stamps that directly help people eat and that directly help children tends to result in uh government spending on stuff like that tends to result in about 6 or 7 dollars of economic value being created outside of that 1 dollar being spent right so the government spends this 1 dollar and then as a society we get 6 or 7 dollars out of of, of mm. economic activity of of, of not money having like around. starved
2: children money
0: yeah, not lost productivity because parents have to do more work with their kids, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, right? Yeah. So this is some of the best money. And I, I, I kind of have a problem with this argument because it says that we should be feeding kids because it's good for the economy, where the second point that I think is the more important one is that like kids shouldn't be starving in America.
1: Yeah, there's plenty and, of food. and
0: the fact that the state is doing such a terrible job of producing revenue so that the Department of Health can run itself and do things like organize WIC money in Oklahoma. Means that you know, in the richest country that's literally ever existed, there are going to be hungry kids now. Yeah, like that—that's a direct result of that. Um, and this is the kind of thing that that happens whenever you have uh, the dictates capital deciding how how resources are allocated in our society.
2: You know. Yep. Yep. Yeah. You're exactly right. Um, basically, you know, it, 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 it all comes back to the fact that uh, when you have a profit motive in here, there's nothing to do, but, you know, uh, fall apart because you want, you know, when you talk about like the, the kids not being able to, you know, get access to good food, it's like, they want to sell food for money. And it's like, I, I get that, you know, there, there's a labor component there, but like, you know, children are, very strangely exempt from labor components in a lot of ways because of their inability to work and, like, the the fact that they probably shouldn't work and that we don't need their labor.
0: The fact that we should be getting them an education that's worthwhile. Yeah. So that then later they can do—they can be the person they want to be when they get older, you know? And be part
2: and, you know, important parts of society, too.
0: Yeah, and this is—I mean— think about how much we all lose as a society when these kids go hungry, when these kids don't have access to good schools like we were talking about. Mm -hmm. Like, think about the world we're gonna be in. Think about the state of Oklahoma in 20 years when we have more kids that weren't able to do as well in school because they had bad teachers and because they were worried about, and because they weren't getting the proper amount of food they need. Um, On top of a whole host of other problems that they could have. Think about those two things. Think about the Oklahoma we're gonna have in 20 years. Because of the mismanagement of the state budget by by the Republican House and Senate, yeah, you know, yeah, like I don't, I don't want, I, I want to be able to live in Oklahoma again at some point in my life. I want to have that as a place I would like to go live in. And thinking about that, like, think about how much harder it's going to keep getting for us to better Oklahoma if we keep screwing over kids. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And not even just screwing over kids, but uh screwing over ourselves. Uh and I think that brings us to our conservative reading list for the week. And this is another one by the Oklahoma editorial board.
0: Yes. Oh, uh, I literally uh. Yeah.
1: I feel that's
0: interesting
2: this. radio um i'm gonna go ahead and say <laughs> that that is probably our high point for the week um now that you've heard this you can continue to listen i guess if you want but uh you might as well just turn the I, podcast off done.
0: actually that was a more articulate argument than anything the oklahoma editorial board has published
2: oh no the honest. end of the end of their article they uh they have a little hateful thing to say about republicans so this is I, okay. They're, 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 this article is about the uh, the uh, never ending and ongoing and seemingly endless special session
0: of the legislature. I want to say something though about the title of it, right? Because the title is "Oklahoma lawmakers losing focus in special session," um, and they're not because Mary Fallon specifically called the special session with the intention of solving structural problems in the budget, like that was an express part of it. So, like there's a, an express focus that this thing has. That's how this legally works. And they're saying, rah, 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 rah. It's like, do you not get what the special session is, Oklahoma editorial board?
2: <laughs> well, let's not squeeze the editorial board too much for what they do and don't think um, because they're claiming basically in the, in the beginning of this article, they're claiming that Republicans have totally forgotten why they went to the special session. Like you said, Mary Fallon called the special session to the budget hole, and so they go from saying, "Well, Republicans don't know why they're there, or don't remember why they're there," to saying that Democrats are the only ones holding everyone up because they won't vote for a cigarette tax. Uh,
0: well, I, I want to talk about that. I think we we need to talk about the cigarette tax specifically because of how precisely this is like the linchpin of their whole argument here, right? And and where they end up in saying Democrats won't support the cigarette tax, right? What they say is. This is, due, this is due in part to Democratic opposition killing the tax measure on multiple occasions despite the fact Democrats endorsed the tax in their House caucus agenda. Even though the whole time, it's not the Democrats killing the cigarette tax, it's the Democrats saying, we will 100% vote for the cigarette tax. You just have to also give us a, a GPT increase. Yep. So it's like a lie. And what the, the other thing they do is <laughs> It's the,
2: like a lie. Like, you tell <laughs> when you don't want to be heard saying the
0: thing that you're actually doing. <laughs> But this is only the second lie they say about the cigarette tax, too, because they say when they start the article, like you say, precisely like you say, their claim is that the special session happened when the legislature, um, when the rather not the legislature, the uh, Supreme Court struck down the cigarette, air quotes, fee. But that's not why the special session started. Once again, it started because Murray Fallon called something different.
2: Oh man, yeah, and like, then
0: it's literally not new It's literally like it's it's not news. Like they don't know they're not reporting facts here. They're not reporting truths.
2: Yeah, they're they're really not because yeah, then it's like they 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 start to claim that uh the legislative discussions are veering further afield. Which like one like veering further afield. What is this? Like who do you, who are you writing for? Uh, but they uh, quote that the the house has allowed for a um, uh, allowed uh, for tribal uh, tribal casinos to offer dice and roulette games, uh, hoping for um, some a bump in uh, education funding. Um, and the house also voted to increase the gross production tax from four to seven percent on roughly sixty six hundred uh, oil wells. Drilled before 2015. And, well, and, and uh, he says, uh, they say much of the energy tax increase would be consumed by the teacher pay raise that they're hoping to get passed. And like, these are just things that like, they're, they're working on a budget and they're like, oh, they're working on this budget.
0: <laughs> well, and they're also, they're working once again on express things that Mary Fallon called the special session to do. Raising teacher pay was one of those express things that she said in her, we need a special session memo. Yeah. So the legal basis for the special session is something that the Oklahoman is complaining they're doing.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah, like exactly. If,
0: if, if all they did was pass the cigarette tax uh, legally with the memo they had gotten from Mary Fallon, they wouldn't have fulfilled the duties given to them by the executive in the special session. But, I mean... We all know why this is actually happening and it's because the Oklahoma Editorial Board is actually just uh, the shits of Devon executives turned into newspapers. Right?
2: I'm gonna I'm gonna read I think this is gonna be a be a nice place for us to kinda get towards the end of uh, this for the week, but I wanna read this these last two paragraphs. We and others encourage Governor Mary Fallon to limit the special session call so lawmakers could only deal with with the $215 million shortfall. Well, that's exactly what they did, but we well, guess we'll just ignore that. Um, preferably by constitutionally passing a cigarette tax increase. Well, did you not have you not been paying attention to all about anything? Like, at all? Also, I'm <laughs> like, glad that they've forgotten that, like, there's like 20 Republicans who are like, no new taxes ever. But anyway. Yeah. Life. Instead, she opted for a hodgepodge of issues, including calls for raising teacher pay. Whoa, fucking
0: teachers. Are you kidding me? Teachers? This is ridiculous. Also, also, literal verbal admission that no... What the legislature is doing is doing what Mary Fallon expressly told them to do when she called the special session.
2: <laughs> the result has been a flailing and a lack of direction that could come back to bite Republicans in the ballot box at 2018. All right, I wouldn't If we're still doing the show by 2018, which I hope we are, dude, I, I, I want to come back to this article and just be like, oh, look, even though these Republicans did all this, uh, guess what? Uh, the Oklahoma editorial board still supports them totally. It's, it's no matter not, what. It, it's not <laughs> like it's not like if they do all these things that they're saying they don't want them to do that they're gonna not support Republicans in the next election.
0: Like,
1: <laughs>
0: well, and it's like it's like how this ends is written with this tone, like "damn it, Republicans, you shouldn't be losing, you should be winning." <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, so so uh, just. What, what i what yeah. i have to yeah as i as i put it to a friend here who asked about how the show is doing he hadn't seen him i hadn't seen him for a bit They're like oh how's the show doing and i was like you know it's really important that we're doing the show because there's only two actual news sources in the state of o- oklahoma these days that are that are important and that's red star over oklahoma and tulsa world because the other big newspaper is actually just a steaming pile of shit
2: <laughs> uh yeah yeah, I, I just, I, 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 I don't disagree. I, I'm, I'm
0: so sick of the Oklahoma editorial board and the special session. In all honesty, I, I'm, yeah, I'm fucking. I want, I just want teachers to have money and kids to not starve in Oklahoma. Let's be fucking dumb guys. that. Oh,
2: come man. on. Well, I think that'll be it, uh, it for us this week. Uh, if you want to check us out over on Facebook, you can check us out at facebook.com/slash Red Over Oklahoma. Or actually, it's just Red Star over OK. Um, we have a Twitter at Red Star over OK. Our subreddit is reddit.com forward slash R forward slash Red Star over Oklahoma. You can check us out on SoundCloud and iTunes. You already know the name. And then if you have any uh, questions, comments, concerns, uh, or you want to come on and talk to us about something that you think would be interesting, uh, you can shoot us an email over at Red OK at gmail.com. Tell your friends and uh, make sure to rate and review us on iTunes.
0: And, uh, you know, if you want to come on the show for other stuff, too, just send us messages on our personal accounts, guys. You can find us on the internet.
2: Yep, yep, yep. If you Google either of our names, you will probably end up somewhere near someone who's like us, so. <laughs> anyway, everybody, have a great
1: week. Yeah, have a great week, guys. Bye. Bye.